Welcome back, or welcome to Grateful and Full of Greatness. I'm your host, Mark Lassini. On this podcast, I sit down with guests who, in my opinion, live their lives with the pursuit of greatness in mind. And this platform allows me to discuss and to explain strategies that go into reaching peak performance. This is episode number seven. My guest, Kylie O'Miller, arguably the best women's lacrosse player in the world today. Kylie is a member of Team USA and still holds the NCAA Division I women's point record. She played a huge role in putting Stony Brook University's women's lacrosse program on the map. Kylie currently plays in the WPLL, Women's Professional Lacrosse League for the WPLL fight, and is a Brian New Balance sponsored athlete and an entrepreneur. I first met Kylie in Japan when we were both overseas introducing and coaching lacrosse at various schools and universities. Therefore, I know firsthand how far she's willing and eager to go to grow the sport we both love and to inspire others. Kylie, through her business, KO17 Lacrosse, travels far and wide to encourage young ladies to aspire for more and to dream big. In this conversation, listeners will hear and feel Kylie's enthusiasm for growth, how she cultivated the mindset to bring her game and lifestyle to the next level, and her take on what it takes to pursue greatness, maintain creativity, and influence others positively through sport. Kylie, I appreciate you taking the time during this pandemic to chat and to share your story. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for you know pumping my tires like you said you were gonna there. But um, yeah, super awesome to be here. It's really humbling. Um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes awesome. and um, just love all that you're about and all that you preach. So um, pumped to, to get into it. Thanks, Kylie. Um, and although these are crazy times right now, um, has anything stayed for the same for you, Don't, like with your routine or anything? Um, trying my best. Um, and I think that's one of the main questions that I've been getting a lot from you know young girls and even just fellow athletes, fellow people, just how are you staying, keeping the normalcy mm. in such a time that you know, it's unprecedented. No one's ever experienced anything like this before. So we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to look to for advice. Um, and I think really for me, I mean, I'm someone who always like writes checklists down, writes my habits down. Sure. Like I write, yeah, I check things off at the end of the night and sure. um, I'm such a calendar girl. Like I, <laughs> I actually even mentioned to you, like you're in my calendar. It has to be there. That's Otherwise it didn't happen. Real. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I think just trying to keep the normalcy in that sense where like, even if I'm going to sit there and watch Netflix for two hours, like I'm putting it in my Google calendar, sure. you know, and yeah. it just kind of keeps me on a schedule and it keeps me feeling some sort of purpose to like wake up and, and get things done um, awesome. and still feel that same way that I would if I was running around doing 87 clinics a day like Absolutely. I usually am. So there's an age old saying that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I've seen girls all over the country copying uh, your Kylie O. Miller face paint and eye black. Um, how does that make you feel that young women want to just be like you? I mean, it's it's pretty insane. And I think I've done a couple of interviews um, where people have asked me this exact question. And my feelings still say the same. And when I say that, you know, like every time I see it, it almost makes me cry. Like it's, mm. you know, it's kind of an emotional thing. It, it's something that it re makes you realize how it's all coming full circle. Mm. Um, something that, you know, I just kind of threw on my face and just wanted to express myself out on the sure. lacrosse field and just like make it a little bit more fun, add a little more flair to my game, um, be a little bit more different out on the field. Right. That's what it ultimately started as. And now it's something that girls are saying like, hey, I want to be like Kylie in a sense of like, I want to express myself out on the field. Sure. That's what I ultimately want them to get that from. So, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's something that, you know, it hits home and it's pretty special and it definitely never gets old. So sure. um, especially in a world where like female lacrosse players, you don't see a ton of them wearing eye black. Sure. You know, it's it's something sometimes on the women's side of sports, like people want to look pretty. People want to look, you know what I mean? They want to look Absolutely. good on camera. And it's like, oh, all that black stuff on your face. Like, what are you doing, Kylie? Oh, I'm like, you know, like that's just how I roll. Like Absolutely. that puts me in game mode and 
if that's how you want to rock too, like rock with me. Uh, yeah, I love it. And I think uh, you're right. And yeah, that kind of like warrior mentality of when I put this on, then I'm ready to go type of thing. And mm-hmm. something that I really preach in the mental training aspect of things for younger athletes is that success leave clues. And it's not necessarily always matching the tangible stuff, like putting the paint on your face. It's more about having a Google calendar like like the best do. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have a common thread and that we both wear uh, the number on our jerseys for our father. What's the story behind number 17 and, and why do you do it? Yeah, um, something really special, I think, um, is being able to, and it, it kind of goes into like when you wear, what you wear on your jersey is a lot of times a deeper meaning, right? So like a lot of times athletes will say, um, you know, what's on the front of the jersey matters most, mm-hmm. uh, which is true. It's by far the most true thing ever, you know, being able to have the opportunity to put like USA across my chest a couple times, Definitely. you know, it's, it's been the biggest honor ever. And then being able to, no matter what the front of my jersey says, um, I always have that number one seven on there. Mm-hmm. And it just means, the, <laughs> it means the same thing, you know, it means something again, a little bit more than just the, the game on the field. So my dad was number 17 when he grew up playing sports. Uh, he played baseball and hockey. Um, and I've kind of learned, I mean, I've learned so much from him, but mm-hmm. I've learned so many little life lessons about what I can f- take from on the field into into off the field from Love what it. my dad, you know, kind of has told me after certain games or, you know, he'll, uh, I just remember certain conversations that we would have um, you know, like I would get a yellow card in a game and he would kind of talk to me after after the game about why, you know, this, that, and the other thing, kind of sure. teaching me the lessons of like, you might not see it right now, but I promise this is going to help you when you're not 13 years old sure. one day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's just something really special to be able to wear 17 and know that um, it's not only my favorite number, I think it looks sick, but at the same time, Definitely like, like you, you're wearing it because you know, my dad kind of instilled all those lessons in me. And now it's something that we both have a tattoo of together too, which is cool. I love that. So it's not going anywhere. No, that's Uh, for sure. (laughs) um, What what comes to mind when you talk like that is like, I just think that sport is so great for that reason. Like the, the yellow card example that you brought up, it's like, okay, you might have had this this penalty or this loss in a game, but it's like not even anything close to what's going on in life, you know, especially in this time where we're going mm-hmm. through a pandemic. It's like uh, lacrosse especially has done that for you and I, where it's kind of like we are able to handle the real-life scenarios, the pressures, the, the real losses um, better just because of the yellow cards that we've been been dished mm-hmm. out. Um, staying on that, that family thread, um, can you go a little bit further into – um, your closest relationships and the influences that made you who you are today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big family girl. Um, it's kind of funny that you mention this right now. Um, yesterday I was having a conversation with my financial advisor actually um, about like core values and what your core values are and how they kind of tie into everything um, that you do in life and how you kind of man- manifest those relationships based on them. Um, and my number one always is family always, always, always. And um, I think, you know, I grew up in a very athletic household, like even my sister and I were playing volleyball out on the front lawn yesterday, you know, and we just, both of our parents have instilled those sportsmanship, um, hustle, like those kind of traits in us from a very awesome. young age, um, just all over, all over life in general. Um, and I think that's something that's taught us so much, not only again on the lacrosse field, but just you know, as people and as women in this world too, um, to be strong, to be confident, to be uh, exactly who you want to be and not take no for an answer. Um, and those are things that they taught us through, again, you know, being athletes and being confident and being a female athlete and, you know, beating the boys in middle school and like doing all it. these different things and coming home and getting a high five from your dad for beating the boys and, Huge. you know, like things like that. Huge. So um, I think it's just, and again, they have always been so supportive of everything that I've done. Um, even, you know, uh, going through high school, going through college, just everything that I've done on the lacrosse level. But especially now that, you know, I've wanted to venture out on my own and start my own business and just kind of like follow dreams that had kind of 
um, created themselves over the years. Like yeah. I didn't even know they were dreams of mine, right. but as they kind of came up, they were just like, you know what? Those are your dreams. Like chase after them. We got your back. And I love that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, uh, it's always family first for me. I love that. And I think I, I'm, I'm blanking on where I just heard this, but kind of whether we're talking about taking the entrepreneurial endeavors that you and I take uh, or sport, um, the great analogy was kind of like being out um, kind of offshore in, in the water and, and waiting for the right wave to ride in. Um, in. In tangent with that, I was speaking to Dr. Christina Frisari. She was the um, sports psychologist for all of the NBA and, and we were going over my Myers-Briggs personality test and it just shows what I'm more prone to. But after you have that conversation about your personality type and what you could be leaning towards, next things that come involved are the core values and mm -hmm. kind of what you stand for. And then the third and final thing and what we're touching on right now is your environment because it's so matters who you're raised by and who you're allowing to be an influence in your life and that's why this is so special um, and I'm grateful to have you on my podcast to talk about the young girls that you're influencing because they really do look up to you and you're mm -hmm. changing their environment every single time you travel to Minnesota or wherever it is. Um, going a little bit further um, and not to be to, to be too dark about it but kind of what part of your environment um, in, in regards to failure uh, was probably a huge driver for you growing up. So you have this environment where you have supportive parents and, and, and your sibling, but then um, all peak performers seem to have those failures that drive them, they use as fuel. Is there anything that's been, that comes to mind for you? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think um, to go off your point, right, like I grew up in a very stable environment, um, more than stable, you know, more than supportive. And I know that there are people out there that don't necessarily aren't that lucky. Um, and that's something that I'm most grateful for every day. Um, and I think like some of my failures, again, everybody's journey is different. But for me personally, um, I, I, I guess like my lacrosse journey, and this is where a lot of how I am mentally as a person um, become, is due to the situations that I went through via lacrosse mm -hmm. or like on the lacrosse field. Mm -hmm. um, and in high school, I guess, compared to, you know, the level of lacrosse that I was playing at then, I was a little bit lowly recruited um, compared to the girls that I was playing with. And uh, as a 15-year-old teenage girl who, you know, kind of, is confident is is happy playing lacrosse is you know it's it's her everything you know that's kind of a little bit of like a a, a stab in the back you know and it kind of makes you step back and think a little bit more about what you could do better um what you've been doing wrong up until this point um and as a 15 year old girl that's a tough thing to do you know those are mentally things that you're not supposed to have to do at that time in your life. It's stuff that, you know, you should be doing, I should be doing now, right. um, not that young. Sure. So um, I think like that was something that definitely started that fire within me. Mm -hmm. um, and when I did get the opportunity from Stony Brook, from Joe Spelina to, to come there and literally help him turn around a program, like physically turn it around, go from 70th to number one by the time I graduated, right. it was... Like just being able to buy into a belief um, that he put out on the table for me um, that was like, hey, like, listen, you could be part of this and I'm not lying like this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and just being able to kind of vision that envision that like I've always been a big dreamer, as you know, like Love it's it. part of my it's part of my everything. It's part of my mantra. Mm -hmm. And for him to kind of just paint out all my dreams in front of me. And then say like, hey, hop on board. Like, I promise this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. That kind of belief from someone that you know, can kind of put that in you um, and kind of just say like, hey, your dreams are real. Mm. They're real and they can happen. You just got to do X, Y, and Z and like follow me and we'll just like together we can make it make it happen. Oh, and I love it. yeah, and I think that like stems from all that, that fuel, like that fire from, you know, being lowly recruited and us as a program being, you know, not nationally recognized and just kind of wanting to prove every little aspect of that situation wrong. For sure. Yeah, and I the the model I use is every like anger or frustration that you feel is fire, and it can either cook your food or burn your house down mentally, and how mm -hmm. you want it to do. Um, I like I, that one. I remember being uh, at prep school, and I was in English class. It was the first day, and the, the the teacher asked us to write down our favorite word. And it took me two seconds. It took everybody uh, pondering, and I wrote down dream and. 
she saw that I was done so quickly and she said, okay, you seem like you're ready. And I said dream because it's the only thing you can do in this world without a consequence. I've always mm-hmm. had that ready at the, at the helm. And I, I love your story because I can not only be so empathetic to it, um, and I see these aspiring high school athletes that are not getting recruited or anything like that. And I'm like, it makes for a better story. Just yeah. stick with it. It makes for it. Who, who likes a story where I was, yeah, I was number one recruit. And I did everything and I always won. It's like, there's no up and down there. Mm-hmm. The climax is not that fun to listen to. Um, and then I had the privilege a few weeks back to speak to Anson Durant, who was the, the coach at, he still is the coach at UNC, coach Mia Hamm. Um, and something that he said about Mia Hamm was she had the highest amount of self-doubt he's ever seen. And I thought that was like really interesting. Okay, here's mm-hmm. one of the best women's soccer players of all time with such a high level of self-doubt. But she had competitive fire and love for the ball. And what Anson said was, all the way through the college ranks, if you have competitive fire, more so than your competitor or the opponent, you'll win. Mm-hmm. But at the world stage, it comes down to love for the ball. And when I follow you, uh, hear your story, and see what you're all about, you love your stick more than anything. And could you go into that? Because that's what Anson says wins at the highest level. Yeah, um, that's a great story. Um I have always, as a female athlete, obviously looked up to all those women's national players. And so that just kind of tugged on the heartstrings there. But um, I love that because it's something that I tried to instill in a lot of the girls that, you know, I coach or or train or even just kind of like the message that I put out there. Because I think, you know, my ability to play at the level that I'm playing right now comes from um, me wanting to go out in the backyard and just like have my stick in my hand. Yeah all those years even still to this day like I I'm out on the field training girls for hours at a time most days and there's still days where I'm like I just want to I want to go out there and just like shoot a couple of myself you know yeah. like it just Absolutely. I have that like I'm literally doing it with my hands right now like I yeah. want to hold my stick in my hand yeah. and it's something that I I tell girls a lot like your stick should literally be an extension of your body. Right. It should be like a fifth limb. Right. Like that's how comfortable it should feel in your hands yeah. so that when you get out on the field it doesn't feel foreign. You're not necessarily thinking about the basics. Um, you're kind of just, you're in your element. Right. And I think that's what has kind of helped me is that I can start to focus on the next levels of my game, right? Like um, becoming a better dodger or becoming a better shooter or yeah. becoming a better X, Y, and Z and focus on those next level things where the stick and kind of like having it in my hands is not necessarily something uncomfortable anymore. Oh, um, huge. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I've always just been a big lax rat. So <laughs> like huge. from the beginning. And I yeah. think that's something that, you know, like Mia Ham with a soccer ball, like ultimately if you don't love it, no matter how talented you are, yeah. um, there's not going to be that, that deep fire. You could be the biggest competitor. You could be the greatest lacrosse player out there. But if you don't love it, if you don't have a passion for it, those big moments and games, like you're just not going to put your all out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's just so it's, important. It's so huge. I, in a documentary that just came out of In Search of Greatness, I was listening to Wayne Gretzky, and uh, his father was always just like, why don't you just want to go to the movies with your friends? He goes, I just want to go in the backyard and play hockey. Mm-hmm. And like that is something you have to look for in, in terms of recruiting, definitely, is like, would you still play if there was no team here, right? And there's something to be said for that because it is difficult. And then the, the from a coaching perspective, John Wooden, one of the best ever, started off um, the first practice with uh, how to put on your socks. And you're like, what? But he didn't want somebody getting blisters and not being able to focus on his shooting or anything like that mm-hmm. in late in the game. So it just goes to show the basics really matter. And what you said was such an amazing point that, like, if you – feel foreign with your stick, then like how can you even expect to take things to the next level mm-hmm. in, in the higher techniques? Um, off the field, this is something that you take. Uh, I love seeing um, you uh, put up pictures with uh, your coffee and your laptop because mm-hmm. I know I, I live that same way. But kind of, um, can you talk about how like that structure that you use to always kind of have that stick in your hands in the backyard transfers over to you the laptop and the coffee and and building out your business yeah um and i think it's kind of it's kind of that same feel i think there's um there's not really a way to verbally describe it other than the fact that like a laptop out with a bunch of emails and like a list of things to do and then a nice little coffee next to it like there's no nothing aesthetically more pleasing to me other than my lacrosse stick in my hands and you're ready to go and <laughs> yeah. you're ready to go it and it's kind of just like another game day if you if you say I you know that. and it really is I and love that. 
there's a list of things that you got to do, just like putting the ball in the back of the net sure. and making sure that you win the game. There's Definitely. a list of things you got to get done and you check those things off as you do them. And I don't know, it's just kind of like that same mentality for me. And um, what goes into that too, just to tie in that other piece is like, I've also always loved to be creative with my stick, mm-hmm. right? And I've loved to try new things. I've loved to come up with different ideas, different ways to shoot the ball, different ways to feed people if I get myself in trouble, um, different ways to um, kind of just like play around with the stick. Like I've always been that kind of, I've always had that creative aspect. And that's something that I also tie into my work, Love right? It. Like I just, if there's too much like boringness, if there's too much, just kind of like everything's the same, like I'm like, how can I spice things up? Yeah. You know, how can I make what I'm doing with KO17 lacrosse different than what the lacrosse world is seeing right now Definitely. how can i you know tap into different things that no one's putting out there right now yeah. and that's like how i like to kind of keep my brain going and keep kind of the fun and everything and i don't think you're looking to to change it in a way that's not productive Mm-mm. right you're trying to keep it like i love the, uh, the idea of when you're in trouble how can i still get rid of the ball and then do it in a productive way mm-hmm. um my mentor, Dr. Gilbert, talks about you don't need to believe in, in the practice per se, but you should believe in, in, in the person that you can learn from. So you might not believe in physical therapy, but you should believe in a physical therapist. You might not believe in training, but you should believe in a trainer. What would you say is your perspective on how important the right coach is and, and, and following the right people? Is, is, is that important to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think to go to your point, right, some strategies and some things might not line up with what you believe in or your core values but people can tap into that right right? so like um and that's something that I've always tried to do over the course of my career is line myself up with people who understand um who I am what my goals are um what I'm trying to accomplish out there on the field off the field um and also how I operate too right like I have always been a little bit stubborn like I'm pretty matter of fact like I just I need it done I need it done my way you know exactly and it's like but if people don't understand that then they kind of don't line up with the core values so I think it's kind of important to line yourself up with people who are in line with your goals and who can help you achieve them so I do think it's it's vital to know people that understand you and that can help you ultimately get there through what they do for a living whether it's a trainer or a nutritionist or um a coach you know and i think i've been very lucky and fortunate to be have been lined up with a lot of those great people i love that and one of the uh, the terms that i'm trying to coin here is like emulate until you can innovate and i mean you have such a creativity to your game and to your style that like you mastered the basics before you did that you didn't try to do anything creative so you emulated Mm -hmm. um the greats if you will before you innovated and i think going on what you're talking about of having a coach that matches your style and understands your stubbornness if you will um when you get to the highest level, I think it's so important to have a coach that asks more questions and listens mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, when you're going through middle school and high school, you don't really know everything, right? So you still need to kind of be pushed in a certain area, dodge from this part of the field. This is what you should do um, here and when. Um, but I saw it with Coach Janowski, you know, when he brings in a huddle with Team USA, he's asking the the offense and the defense, what are you guys seeing out mm-hmm. there first before it's like, okay, this is what I'm seeing and you're just projecting. But you, you've come to the stage where it's like, if you have a coach that's just going to tell you what to do, it, he or she's not doing going about it the right way mm-hmm. because you already have that creativity to your game. So what would you say, um, might be a diff- difficult question, but you probably can pull from your parents and, and Coach Bellina, but what are important qualities in a coach that you, that you look for? Yeah, um, and I think I've been, like I said, I've been lucky to have been lined up with people like Coach Spelina and even, um, you know, at the highest level now with Coach Jenny Levy and, like, like you mentioned about um, about Donowski, like, those huddles are now brought in where it's like, all right, what are you guys seeing out there? And right. I think that's so important. Um, and it's also something that I try to emulate in when I'm coaching younger girls, right? Because it's something, like you mentioned, in high school and middle school, no coaches really ever ask like hey what do you feel like what are you seeing you know they're the ones out on the field and yes like the coaches should know more than the players at that point Mm -hmm. but they are ultimately the ones out on the field and you're not going to know what's happening inside their head unless you ask right right so they could be seeing the play unfolding in front of them but they're afraid to make a mistake because their dad's on the sideline yelling at them you know you don't know that until you ask and so I think just kind of like 
to answer your question, um, like what I look for in a coach and what I've seen from the best coaches that I've been lucky to be coached by is um, like trust, I think is one of the biggest things. Um, Trust ultimately in the fact that like what Joe Spelina did for me was that he pretty much said like every single time, you're gonna make mistakes. Sure. You're supposed to have the ball. Right. You're supposed to throw turnovers. Mm-hmm. As long as you know, like you get more plays happening out there than you do the turnovers, we're good. Yeah. And if you don't, we sit there and we reevaluate exactly what you just did so that it doesn't happen again. Absolutely. And I think you know, developing those relationships and developing that trust with someone who's ultimately, um, I don't know, it just kind of helps you recognize that yes they do want the team to win but they're they're on like your side right you know they're on your side so right. when it does come a time where you do throw a turnover or you do make a mistake yeah. or you do lose a game and you know coach is getting on you hard and tough right. you understand that tough love sure. and where it's coming from yeah. and i think that um, i've always been a player who works well with the tough love because yeah. and the criticism because i respect the fact that that coach can you know kind of tell me when I'm doing something wrong and then be like, all right, let's fix it together type of thing. And developing that trust in a sense of like, I'm going to be there for you when you're at your highest high. And I'm also going to be there for you to kick you in the butt when you're at your lowest low so you can get back up there. Yeah. That last line you said, um, the last person I had was our character coach from the the San Diego Seals on uh, Ben Ives, who was a Navy SEAL. And uh, he uses a great definition of a leader. It's somebody who's going to disturb the comfortable, but also comfort the disturbed. So that goes right in line with what you were saying. Of uh, They're going to push you and, be, and ride you, but they're also going to be there for you if you're having a tough time. And mm-hmm. Kind of the way I like to use the analogy of coaching and, and the way to look about it, whether it's parenting or being a good friend, really, is kind of you have to use the analogy of a tree or a flower. And you would never step on the flower. You wouldn't try to pull it to make it grow quicker. You would just water it the right way. And, of course, there's a lot of during that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, another way that your story and I is matched up is kind of this jump that happened right in the middle of our college career. And you talked about that shift in your mindset that you had. I kind of was introduced to mental my uh, mental coach at the time, Brian Kane, and mental training. But what was the shift for you, and how did it allow you to go from uh, understanding the basics, mastering them, and then now, okay, let's get this to the next level where you became a Touraton finalist? Yeah, um, so a little bit about that, like halfway through my college career, I kind of, um, you know, we were starting to make waves at Stony Brook. Um, We were starting to make uh, a little bit of buzz around our team and our program. And, um, you know, we were starting to see the levels that we could get to. Um, But I just felt like I wasn't completely fulfilling my role as what I was supposed to be doing and what was expected of me. Um, we were, I think that year we lost three or four games by one goal, same score, seven, six, <laughs> seven, six. So every time I see seven, six on a scoreboard, I have like PTSD, <laughs> but, um, it's yeah. So like, I think at the end of that season, I was like, why is the supposed star attacker on the Stony Brook team, you know, getting locked off every single game and not being able to ultimately help her team. Like she's staying in the whole game, but she's not producing. She's mm. not. Um, and like, it almost was forcing me to take a step and like, look inward at myself and just kind of say, what is missing? Mm. What, like, you know how to play lacrosse. Like when you have the ball in your stick, you're fine. You know, when you are out there on the field, you're fine. But like, what is, what is stopping you from being great? And, you know, I kind of took a step back. I sat with my trainer who's been a huge, um, you know, kind of guide in all of my, nutrition, mental training, everything. And we were like, what's missing? And, you know, I was losing to goalies and run tests, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was something that a star attacker shouldn't be doing. And it was like, all right, so maybe let's focus on fitness this summer. Let's see, let's just like knock that off the, off the list. Try to tackle something that you've never tackled before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't something up until that point that I had ever thought about. It was just like, hey, you're playing lacrosse at the highest level. You're working out at the highest level. Like, you don't need to focus on your food. And which is such a lie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lie. lie. It's, it's a, a lie. myth. It's, um, and it's something that a lot of young people think. Right. And it's, it's not true. Because what I learned that summer was, um, you know, not only by taking care of my body did I see a physical difference. Um, but, and which made me ultimately feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like, 
I became a different level of a lacrosse player without even thinking about anything about lacrosse. Like, I swear to you, I did not touch my lacrosse stick that entire summer other than training girls. It was really just focusing on that nutrition aspect and the fitness aspect. And um, when I came back, it was it just came so much easier. It I had knocked that thing off that was like holding me back. Sure. You know, I was I was getting locked off in games and now I could just run circles around the girls. Yeah. And it was Huge. not even something that had been a mental block anymore. Huge. And um, I think that was just like huge for me because what it showed me that I could do was take on a challenge as tough as, you know, fasting and putting together meal plans and meal prep and sure. stuff like that. Things I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could tackle a challenge like that. Like ultimately I could tackle any challenge. Right. And, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of what it did for my mindset. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. It's not easy, right? Because like, uh, the most important thing at the highest level is understanding what's a lie and what's the truth, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes people try to block out the truth and that's okay, but it's not gonna win you games. It's not. Gonna... And something that I want to just sit with right there that you said <laughs> was so amazing, I started smiling, is what is stopping you from being great? Mm-hmm. I mean, people listening to this should just ask themselves that question because I read this uh, article that there's no such thing as laziness, there's just barriers. So mm-hmm. just go find out what those barriers, whether it's nutrition, whether it's... And the reason why I started this peak performance business is because it takes everything, this holistic approach. The nutrition matters, the, mm-hmm. the mental training matters. And I'm the only thing different about our stories midway through college is my conditioning was right. I was one of the most conditioned on the team, if not the most, but I was still messed up between the ears. So I mm-hmm. was thinking about too much and I was having paralysis by analysis. So I started getting into mental training and now I understand how it all feeds into each other because mm-hmm. it's just so true. And then last thing I'll say about Anson Durant's point was that he said, average players want to be left alone. Good players want to be coached, but great players want the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, so huge to, to want the truth so and, and not ignore the truth. So on a daily basis now, so you've come so far, you did such great things in college. What fuels you now? Like, what are your aspirations, your goals, your visions now, um, being at the highest level and, and having those accolades in your past? But what, what, what now are you focused on? Yeah, um, and I think that's been one of the bigger struggles mentally, too, because you go from um, in college, at least on the women's side, right? Like, on the men's side, you can be playing all year round if you play indoor-outdoor. On the women's side, we have five, six games a year. Um, if you are lucky enough to play on the U.S. training team, you have three to four training weekends a year. And there's that's what, you know, 10 at most opportunities to play in a lacrosse game mm-hmm. in a year. Mm-hmm. So it's it's way less. And it's also something that, you know, you can it's easy for you to step back and say, like, ah, like I can take my foot off the gas pedal. You know, I don't have a game next week. I don't have a preseason to look forward to. I don't mm-hmm. have this, that and the other thing. And um I'm not saying that I have done any of that because I'm just not that kind of person. I just know that, you know, those thoughts have definitely been in all of our heads. Um, And I think that they're tougher to push away when there's not something like a lacrosse game to look forward to or to train for. Um, So I think it's just kind of like been that struggle of um, the daily of like you're on your own now. You're not with a full team. And I know you understand that. I think all of us do. But you're on your own. It's like a lot of self-motivation. It's finding the right people within your new circle of people, whether it's your family or roommates or people like that, that are going to still understand your goals and aren't going to let you slack off on them. Um, and I've been lucky to have a good trainer, um, who's kind of stuck with me the whole way, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge in every aspect because, goals change and I think that's the biggest thing right like in college goals were to win a national championship and you were going to do absolutely everything and anything and everything to make that happen um and now it's you know obviously uh, I want to win a gold medal yeah and I want to win a WPLL championship I want to play more than 10 lacrosse games in a year like and I want to be part of helping the movement to help that make that happen for future generations of girls that you know, want to say, like, I want to be a professional women's lacrosse player one day. You're well on your way on that. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, those are my, those are my goals. And, and I think what's big about, um, goals is that if you write them down, they're there and you have to make them happen. Huge. You know, if you're just kind of moseying through life and you don't have any goals, you don't have any purpose, you don't have any, anything to reach for or strive for, then, you know, you're ultimately just going to kind of lose your way. So, 
Um, I'm big on physically writing things down because then it's, you know, it's there on my wall or it's there in my notebook. And it's like, if you look back on it, it's not done, then it makes you feel like crap about it. Huge. So, and what I would say along those lines is, uh, like writing it down, saying it out loud. I call that making a phone call to the world. It's like thinking mm -hmm. positively, um, but then acting neutrally. What's the task that you have to handle? I was listening to Mike Genta, who's our physical ther head physical therapist on in the PLL, and he was speaking to one of his main clients, her name is Holly Lawrence, on an Instagram live, and he was asking her what's so different now that the coronavirus is going on, and she goes, nothing's changed. I just love training. I love working hard. And mm -hmm. I think like that is just such a common thread, right? It's just less like idea that like I am not even close to where I should be. Mm -hmm. And everybody's thought life has those true things come into their mind that they can either shut away or write them down like you were talking about or say I'm like, I'm going to go chase this. this. I say it to my closest friends and family. I say, this is my goal. Mm -hmm. When I make it public, now I got to, now I got to do it. Yeah. Right? It's not something you that I can just swallow. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, so in regards to mental training, I said earlier that like success leaves clues and um, it's still really important, although we should have that internal motivation to search for outside sources and strategies. So what sources or books or podcasts do you turn to to, to learn or get inspired? Um, honestly, I think it's, it's a lot of things that kind of um, tap into like what I want to take out of that particular day or that mm. particular moment. Um, like I find that if I try to force myself through a book or just because like I kind of like the title of it or I want to learn about it, I don't ultimately take too much out of it. Um, and it, it really just kind of turns into a negative um, thing for me. But I think, you know, some of the best books and documentaries and podcasts that I've listened to are from or about other athletes. Um, so like even the other day I watched, I just watched Bethany Hamilton's, um, new documentary on Netflix and she's always been a athlete that I've followed ever since I was a little girl. Cause you know, I think surfing is, I mean, it's, it's a different sport. And I think that that's something that's, um, kind of like you can, you can look at the football players, you can look at the baseball players, soccer players, and, and I definitely do. But when you look at surfing, that's like you and the water and you know, like you can't, you don't know what the ocean's going to do, you know, no. and that's got to be the biggest mental challenge right. ever. And um, it's something that, you know, I'm not great at, but I've surfed ever since I was a little girl. And I've always, always wondered, like, how do people get good at this? It's you so know, <laughs> how do people get good at it? And I just, um, it's something that always intrigues me. But like, I think just kind of like little things like that, that, you know, make me wonder and make me um, kind of look back at myself and say like what can i learn from bethany hamilton what can i learn from like i read drew Brees's book carly lloyd awesome. um just a bunch of different athletes that have all had different journeys and i think that that's the main thing that i can take away from anything that i've read or listened to or watched is like every single athlete has a different journey oh, so it's yeah. okay to have your own right um and it's more than okay to have your own and okay, exactly yeah. and just like kind of be proud about it and go about your own way of doing things and you can still kind of attack every goal that you've ever had. I love that. And I, like you just are such a big proponent without even knowing the mental training side of things. Like I can watch these documentaries for hours and then be taking away only like one minute of mm -hmm. it, right? I was watching Richie McCall from the All Blacks who went down as one of the best All Blacks ever. Mm -hmm. And he's in the back of a cab on the way to like this final match ever. And he talks about everybody wants to serve that surf that biggest wave ever, right? And that's what I feel like I'm doing. So I, I feel I felt that when you were talking about surfing because you said what makes them so good. I think it has something to do with love of the board. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen King, who's a writer, says um, I've found over my time. I think he writes 2,500 words a day, regardless. That even when I don't feel the like writing, my work is just as good as the days I do feel like writing. Mm -hmm. And isn't that true? Just like just showing up and and going out on that water. I'm sure that's what you what you learned from Miss um, Hamilton there. That she just goes back out there every single day mm -hmm. looking for the wave because you don't know when the wave's gonna come. You don't know. It's just and despite getting her arm bitten off by a shark too, like you know, <laughs> she's just a badass. True. So it's badass, yeah. And sure. I just think there's so much to learn from every different athlete out there because um, like challenges that they face different you know drew Brees with you know moving down to new orleans and all, all of the stuff that Crazy. him and that and that saints team overcame and yeah. he was just a leader in that aspect and his whole shoulder injury it's just Crazy. i don't know it's 
there are different things that can kind of motivate you in different ways. And although, you know, knock on wood, I've never had a shoulder injury like that. Like I can still take something from one page, like you said, of his journey um, that can kind of resonate in my life. The thing I take away from him is that, like, every Friday before his Saturday, uh, Sunday game is he's there with no ball going through every single one of his things. And that he's a big visualization person. And mm-hmm. I saw on the Religion of Sports Instagram post about him that he donated $5 million to this cause of this pandemic. And they were kind of sweeping under the rug because they say it falls right in, in, into his character. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, no, it's still a big deal, you know, yeah. regardless. Um, when you're traveling and speaking to all these young ladies um, and athletes across the country, what do you find yourself talking about most? Like, to, what is the message that you're always bringing up and, and to them to, to deliver? Yeah, um, I think there are a couple. And I think, you know, outside of the regular ones that a lot of us lacrosse players say, you know, keep your stick in your hand and practicing on your own and all those different things lacrosse-wise, um, there are also messages around, uh, you know, being – a woman in sports and being a girl in sports. And um, I think that's one of the major pieces of feedback that I get from, I might not get it from the girls themselves, even though those are the ones that are being impacted directly. Um, But I get it from parents. I get it from coaches. I get it from a lot of the adults that, you know, feedback after I, I kind of come places and it's like, you don't realize what you just did for these group of girls seeing a woman, someone that they can literally look at you and see themselves in doing what you're doing, you know, and doing what a lot of these other professional women's lacrosse players and even other women athletes are doing. Like you getting to physically meet them in person, they get to see like, oh, I can do that too. Like, it's just, I think that's one of the bigger messages that I'm proud to be able to do. Um, And without even really saying much, you know, just kind of like, being who I am and doing what I'm doing um, is just kind of like an honor to be able to do for these girls. Just kind of show up and say like, hey, if I can do it, you could do it, yeah. you know, and uh, it, and it's whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be being a professional women's lacrosse player. It's it's like you are a woman in this world and you can do literally anything you set your mind to i love that and i think there's such a you said i just have to be myself like mm-hmm. there's such a a power behind that authenticity of you showing up there and not having to fake like oh i've made it and i've schemed my way here no like you're real you know and that that is something where you can go no matter where it is in the country you can speak in front of them and i and Doc Gilbert always says this, that they care less about what you have to say. And mm-hmm. They just love who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that is the message, whatever is coming out of your mouth is coming from you who's living that experience of what you're talking about. And when I saw you in, and, and became friends with you in Japan, I, was, I saw kindness and then a killer on the field. And that's what I look for regardless of age, gender, color, doesn't matter. Because if you have that kindness off the field where you're just a person of character and dignity and then you, you you're just flip the switch and, and actually... Mm-hmm go after it that's awesome so bear with me here one of my favorite clinical psychologists jordan b peterson has a book called 12 rules for life two of the two of the rules are make friends with people who want the best for you and compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today so from getting to know you and following your story um you seem to live those lives those two rules pretty well Um, making friends with people who want the best for you yet comparing yourself to who you were yesterday not to somebody else who somebody else is today. So how do you balance that, making strong relationships, um, but not being competitive with them, but being competitive with your former self? Yeah, um, I love that, because it's something that I, I think I follow without even realizing it. Um, and uh, I've always been someone who uh, is very self-critical, um, or even someone who's never really watched a lot of film on herself, but knows exactly where she went wrong in every (laughs) single situation like you know i could have 10 points in the game and i'm still like thinking about the one ground ball i missed you know it's that's just how i am and that's just how i am in life too and i can go through an entire day have a really positive day but i'll still think about the um the penny that i didn't turn over to heads to give someone else good luck you know like things like that i just um that's just who i am (laughs) so i think for me, it's it's a life that I live. Um, is just kind of like looking at my past self, or even who I was yesterday or this morning, and like how can I beat that? Um, and then I think like to go off your point of not comparing yourself to other people, that's so hard to do. So um, hard. But it's also something that I definitely pride myself in because 
and something that I also try to relay that message to young girls because I think even more so in the female perspective of things especially with body image and things like that like girls are comparing themselves to each other from day one Mm -hmm. you know and all the way up until you know I'm what at the highest level of our sport and I'm still doing the same thing you know Mm -hmm. it's just impossible not to do and I think you know trying to remember that I have my own strengths as a lacrosse player, as an entrepreneur, as an influencer in this world that might be completely different than Taylor Cummings, than Marie McCool, you know, and, but at the same time, collectively, we can come together and just like absolutely crush it. that's the coolest thing about it. That's the coolest part. But I think just kind of reminding yourself that like each of us has a different, we're a different puzzle piece. And then when you put us together, that's the realm of, you know, lacrosse players, of influencers that are going to you know, do big things together, but each of us have our own strengths and it's not fair to compare your weaknesses with somebody else's strengths because then ultimately you're going to lose that battle every time. I love that. I, I, what comes to mind there is like getting away from this like against others and being for others. And I think what you mm-hmm. were talking about with, with the other ladies that you mentioned is developing like a community and you're so much more powerful. I mean, there's all these different analogies that you use, what's stronger, a finger or a fist, right? And um, if you're able to take that humility stance, especially at the highest level and focus on yourself rather than left and right of you, I mean, you're going to be so successful and I think that's a it comes with maturity right maturity is uh, leaning towards a perspective of giving rather than getting right mm-hmm. and that, that's what you're all about I love that little story of you saying turning the penny over because it's those <laughs> little things that add up all 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 throughout your days and, and weeks and months that like make you who you are like mm-hmm. people think it's because of these big goals that you score or games that you win and it's because of those pennies that you turn over mm-hmm. rather um, and when you're not training and everything like that and, and staying on that on the thread that um, you are different than the ladies that you mentioned, what are some of your outlets or hobbies or places that you go um, when you're not in the everyday grind of lacrosse or entrepreneurial endeavors? Um, I am a big beach girl, um, big sunset chaser. Uh, I just think there's something like clean slate-wise about a sky that... Um, like I think what's cool about sunsets or sunrises like the sky is literally never gonna look exactly the same as another day right like it could look similar like you could have pictures but it's never gonna look exactly the same and I just I, I just like that's something that always intrigues me um other than the natural beauty of it but uh I don't know it's something that is able to clear my head I have been lucky enough to grow up near the beach near the water and um again it's just kind of like my escape so if I find myself like fully invested in my darkest thoughts like that's where I go um and I find I've actually found myself there a lot lately (laughs) because there's nothing much else to do and a lot of times you're when you get there and you're sitting in your own thoughts it's it kind of just shows a little bit more clarity um but outside of that again big family girl so I'm always spending time with my parents my sister um doing anything and everything we can and I also, uh, you know, just trying to catch up on as many books as I can because, like, for me, it's I've always been a big writer-reader. Um, I just, I love putting thoughts on pages, whether they make sense or they don't. Um, I just love writing it down. Uh, I actually just, like, went through a ton of boxes that I've had in my childhood house, and it's just full of journals, just random thoughts from, you know, third grade to now, and it's just something that gives me a little bit of clarity because even at the end of either the best day or the worst day, like you write down what's on your mind, you can go to sleep empty minded and start fresh the next day. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That was just way more than I would expect. It's just so (laughs) perfect. It has all these thoughts firing. One of my favorite quotes for a long time has, um, no person steps in the same river twice for it, uh, for it, it is not the same river and he or she is not the same person. I, I love that because we can use that as an analogy of your what you were saying about the sky. Like Nobody steps under the same sky twice and I, I love that because mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I'm picking up all throughout our conversation here is your constant idea of 
uh, self-evaluation and reflection. And, and something that I always am talking about is when you're in sport or in that kind of warrior mentality with the eye black on, it's very important to stay external, right? Ground ball, there's a ground ball, pick it up, catch the ball, move it, blah, blah, blah. And if you get internal in game, right? Oh, what's the score? Seven, six. Mm-hmm. Oh no, what could happen? Right? Then you start paralysis by analysis, right? But it's so important when you're walking on the beach or wherever it is for some person, right, looking up at the sky to say, where, where am I and where am I going, right, and have that kind of self-awareness because every single person, I think it's one of the main elements to have for excellence, like right in the beginning is like, where have I been, where am I at now, and what do I really want? And when I asked you about the shift that you had um, during the middle of your college career, you used the word fulfillment, and I love that because you're doing something that's gonna take so long for you to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you're gonna finish by the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's like fulfillment, that's like so hard to go after. Um, so for a listener who's never played the sport or perhaps knows little to nothing about lacrosse, talk about um, how um, lacrosse has impacted you as a person off the field. Yeah, um, I can go as far to say that you know lacrosse is definitely my life. Um, it's definitely something that's, you know, shaped who I am. And I think that there's something to be said about that because for me, it could be lacrosse. For someone else, it could be another sport. For someone else, it could be, you know, their job, whether they're a doctor or a nurse or something like that. Something that's completely shaped, you know, all of their life experiences and how they see different situations in front of them. Like lacrosse has done that for me. Um, and it seems kind of, when you look at the bigger picture of things, especially with what's going on in the world right now, it seems kind of trivial that a sport can do that. But, um, you know, it's, that's just what it's done for me. It's taught me the bigger things in life. It's, it's taught me that, you know, nothing is going to be given to you. It's all going to be earned, um, with, and that's like, to go to your point that you just mentioned, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's, it's a long process. It's a long journey. And, to be quite honest, like there's no end point. There's no, you know, there might be goals that you have. There might be things that you want to check off, but there's no end point that says like, okay, I'm here, like at the top of the pedestal, like that's it. You know, even if you, you win a gold medal, you do this, that, and the other thing, like that's not it. Like, let's keep going. going. Yeah. And I think just those things that it's taught me, it's kind of allowed me to, um, also, you know, just be me. It's all, it's allowed me to go out on the field and, and compete it's allowed me to play for something bigger than myself uh whether that's you know playing for the 17 on my jersey playing for um you know stony brook or team usa like playing for the team around me whether it's um you know playing in the professional women's lacrosse league for the girls that are in the stands watching saying i want to be a professional women's lacrosse player one day yeah it's just like i think just kind of taught me those things and it's done just so much for me as a person yeah, I, I think that a point that he brought up that there's no end point, especially for the peak performer. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they don't see eye to eye with the average individual, and that's okay because they just want different things. But if you're a peak performer, you just don't see any end point. I mean, mm-hmm. the most prevalent thing right now is how could Tom Brady ever leave Patriots and go to Tom, Tampa Bay? Because it's never over for him. Mm-hmm. Although, like, the New Englanders are like, what? He's supposed to end the story here, and I want to close this book, and that's it. He's still writing another chapter. But given the current certain circumstances, this is perhaps the hardest question here is, you just said lacrosse is your life, but in a crazy hypothetical, what would Kylie O'Miller be doing if it wasn't for lacrosse? Do you think, what would you pour yourself into? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, to go into that, I feel like I would still have to have those personal connections that I've created throughout lacrosse. Awesome. Um, why I started KO17 Lacrosse and why I've, you know, been traveling all over the country for the last two years is is those connections is to be able to um you know I could sit there and talk for two hours uh, talking lacrosse talking other things but if one girl takes one word out of what I said and remembers it for the rest of her lacrosse career like that's all I need yeah and um I think so to answer your question like if it wasn't lacrosse I would be finding something somewhere else to do that um if it wasn't sports I would be finding somewhere else to do that, whether it's, you know, the medical field or anything like that, anywhere that I could be of impact to another person's life. um, I think that that's where you could find me. I don't think I could ever sit behind a desk, just kind of like crunching numbers or anything like that. But, you know, that's a that's a a personal preference. But I think I think those personal connections and um, kind of just 
putting out what I my core values on other people. Yeah. Um, that's just I would just have to do something in that yeah. sense. Well, you certainly have the platform and you're doing an amazing job with it. What I would say is in terms of personal connections, what you said there is like uh, Robert Waldinger, who's part of the longest study ever on happiness, says uh, the most important factor uh, in your life for happiness and longevity is the quality of your closest relationship. So you're really on to something by talking about no matter what field it would be, you'd be searching for those personal connections inside of what you were just talking about, the traveling and everything. Um, and, and knowing that you, you love being at home at the beach, what would you say? Is it, I, I've met you in Japan. I mean, you travel <laughs> all that way that far. Are, are you, do you enjoy the traveling or, or are you more of a homebody or, or how do you handle that? Um, I think it's a good balance between both. And I think that kind of goes to show who I am as a person as a whole. I, um, you know, like I've never really been a homebody homebody. But I've also never been one that's like, I need to be on the road all the time. Like, I'm kind of in the middle. So um, I find the positives in both. Um, and I think that sometimes when, you know, it's definitely, it definitely gets exhausting when you're in three different states in the course of five days, you know. Mm, and sure. um, But you're still trying to train at the highest level. You're still trying to eat well. You're still trying to sleep well. And you're also trying to make a difference. Sure. Um, so it definitely gets exhausting. But I'd I, say. Yeah, I think like... <laughs> just kind of going back to again the bigger picture of it all and like recognizing what you're doing and like there are a million times where I'd be on I just remember from last summer because that was my first full summer of going like on a KO17 tour Mm. um and I think I ended up hitting 10 plus states or 10 plus (laughs) different cities I think it was 18 cities something crazy yeah but and this is you know in the peak of our season too and um it's just I think there were a couple times I was sitting on planes and I didn't have my notebooks with me to write things down, but I had my notepad in my phone and I would just like write down like, remember why you're here? You know, there would be realizations of like, dude, you just went to like four different places you've never been before, you know, and like lacrosse brought you there. You could have never imagined like going all the way to Los Angeles, San Francisco, making a tour of the West Coast and then down to Texas, up to Minnesota, you know, down to North Carolina. Like you could have never imagined doing that through lacrosse. So it's just kind of like taking a step back and seeing the bigger picture. But yeah. I like being both. It's very easy to get frustrated, right? It's mm-hmm. like if, if we want to think negatively, it's like, okay, we're here. And it's everything's going to pile on top of each other. And um, what you said about looking at the picture, bigger picture, and I say to all my clients is when we come into a problem, you can either have a bird's eye view or a worm's eye view. Mm-hmm. And if you have a worm's eye view, everything looks like. And your world's only as big as you make it, right? If you're able to take that bigger picture and have a bird's eye view, mm-hmm. then you're going to come to something great. So a little bit of a word association activity for you and whatever comes to mind or, or just finish the sentence, okay? Okay. It's all about... Making a difference. When things go wrong, I turn to... Writing down the positives. If I could, I would... Um... <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back in time or go into the future, but one of them. I like that. I like that. I am most grateful for uh, the people around me who have pushed me to be my best. I love that. Um, and then the last question I have for you is how would you define greatness? I would define greatness as whatever you define greatness as. So the way that I'm going to define it might be completely different to anyone who's listening to it, but I think that that's the most important thing, right? Like greatness for me is just never settling. Um, no matter how high of a pedestal you put yourself on or other people put you on, like there is no, like I said before, there's no end point. There's no end goal. Um, just kind of like continuing to climb higher and, you know, expect more of yourself. That's for me, that's what greatness is. It's just kind of that mentality of, of never settling. I love that. And it's taking you so far, so far. And, um, it being a mentality and that kind of all encompassing all-encompassing of this idea that no matter what you're doing, what you're pouring yourself into, you're looking for those connections. Doesn't matter what field it is, whether it's lacrosse, lacrosse field or a different, uh, different craft. Um, and where I kind of want to wrap it up is um, we know exactly where, where Kylie is now from this conversation and, and you sharing your story, and I really appreciate it. Where would you say to people listening, you're going? Where, where, what's next for you? Is there things that you want to do that you haven't done yet, or where are you going to bring your mentality? 
Yeah, I think anywhere and everywhere that I can bring it would be great. Awesome. And um, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think just kind of like reaching out to places that I've never been before. Um, I actually, you met me in Japan, but I've never been to Europe. Like I went to Asia before I went to Europe, you know, just kind of traveling the country and, and bringing things that people in those places have never seen before or are kind of hungry for and whether that's lacrosse or whether it's something else. Um, and yeah, I think just kind of like continuing to do what we can for the, the female side of the lacrosse world. Um, and I think in that sense, it's, it's all that we're doing on social media. It's all that we're doing in our own personal businesses. It's all that we're doing to um, try to win gold with Team USA, try to get lacrosse into the Olympics, um, and the WPLL just growing it the, the way that we can. I think just, again, just hopefully where you'll see me is having to do something with um, providing a full-time gig as a professional lacrosse player to a girl that I might be training right now uh, okay. in 10 years. So. Um, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> well, that's what I'm all about. And when I was thinking about who I should have next on, on this podcast, I was thinking about the best female lacrosse player that I know, and it's you. So I'm really grateful Thank for you, you hopping on. And uh, let's do it. I'm, I'm really excited for you taking on things to the next level and, and um, bringing women's sport where it should be. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me again. Super humbled. <laughs>